Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle in them the fire of your love. Amen. My father was a journalist, a contemporary of Walter Cronkite. So each workday would begin with a delivery of no fewer than three newspapers to our home. And while Dad ate breakfast, he read the newspapers. The rest of the family knew that this was not a time to try to engage him in conversation. The resulting memory I have of my father is that he was widely read and conversant on a multitude of topics. It seemed to me that he knew at least a little about a whole lot, and he was not an openly opinionated man. Oh, I'm sure he had opinions, but at least he wouldn't mutter under his breath as he read the newspaper. He seemed to take it all in, digest it, and think about it. In his business, I imagine he was called to be objective. He was to report the news, not give his personal opinion, and not to judge. His actions reflected this. In the mid-60s, he hosted the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King in Chicago when King was there speaking about fair housing. Later in that decade, He told me that if my face ever appeared on the picture wire in an anti-war demonstration, he would yank me out of school. So, So there was a social justice side of him trying to foster a society to help those on the margins. And then there was perhaps the law and order side of him. Of course, with One of his sons in the army in Vietnam at the time, his view of anti-war demonstrators might have been a bit skewed. But nevertheless, I think he championed wide sections of our society that contain all kinds of people and for the sake of the overall common good. I think he tried to be fair and to take into account a wide range of differences motivations, and agendas. Thus, I grew up with an example that we should always try to look at the whole picture and not retreat into a corner just to be with those who believe as we do. It wasn't my dad's job to choose sides, not his job to judge. And nor is it ours, according to Jesus' words in today's gospel. In recent weeks, Matthew has recorded many of Jesus' parables about the kingdom of God that he delivered to his disciples and the crowds gathered around him. Last week, we heard about God's abundance in scattering of seeds in all kinds of places where it might not take root. And it's not our call as to where the seed is scattered and certainly not up to us to determine which seeds will germinate and grow and which won't. This week's parable, again, uses the metaphor of seed. But here the seed is sown to grow wheat in a field where evil sows weeds. We now have good and evil 
coexisting in the same place. The workers ask if they should uproot the weeds. The master of the field instructs the workers not to try to pull up the weeds because it's really impossible to separate the two. The wheat and the weeds look alike as they grow, and their roots are completely entangled. It's only at harvest time one may be distinguished from the other. Jesus goes on to explain that he, of course, sowed the good seeds, but the evil one planted the weeds. However, the important point is that it's not up to us to judge between the good seed, the wheat, and the bad, the weeds. We are to let them both grow together. All will be sorted out at the final judgment by God, the only one with the authority to judge. Now, those hearing Jesus' words and having knowledge of Isaiah, which many would have had, might have reflected on passages such as the one we heard from chapter 44. Isaiah was writing during a time when the Israelites were in exile and trying mightily to hang on to their God in the face of many other gods being put before them. God says, Is there any God besides me? There is no other rock. I know not one. Thus, the people in Jesus' time would have understood his instructions to leave the final judgment to the one true God. For most of the time, then, I guess we need to learn to live with the weeds. But didn't I just make a judgment that I'm part of the wheat and the weeds are out there somewhere? I think I did. Let's look again. I recall that the roots of the wheat and the weeds, the good and the evil, are completely entangled and impossible to separate. That's because there is both good and evil in all of us. Listen to what Matthew said in chapter 5 a couple chapters ago. You have heard that it was said you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be children of your Father in heaven. For your Father in heaven makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the righteous and on the unrighteous. So in light of those words, let's see if we can think about good and evil in another way. Albert Einstein is quoted as saying, we cannot solve our problems with the same thinking we used when we created them. And I'm seeing this judgment thinking as a problem. I'm asking if we can get beyond this kind of black and white, good and evil type of thinking that so divides us and separates us, and I would argue separates us from God. Father Richard Rohr, who is a Franciscan priest, a prolific writer, and an internationally known speaker, offers another way to think about this particular parable. He argues that Jesus just may have been way ahead of his time 
when he instructed the slaves not to put themselves in the position of judging the wheat and the weeds as good and evil. What this kind of thinking leads to, according to Rohr, is a narrowing of the vision of the kingdom of God. If we only think in terms of dualism, if everything is on a continuum from good to bad, black to white, liberal to conservative, Democrat to Republican, and the list could be endless, then we eliminate the possibility of spirituality. We eliminate God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. We eliminate grace. We eliminate forgiveness. We eliminate any thoughts of abundance. We eliminate love. These are the teaching of Jesus, not judgment, not separation into camps where there is no opportunity to even hear, much less listen, to a different point of view where there is no chance for the Holy Spirit to enter and bring a new perspective. Judgment comes at the end of life, the end of the age in this parable, and I don't think we're quite there yet. Thus, we needn't be concerned with it in the here and now. My question for all of us is whether we will take this to heart and be able to break out of the practice of judging and living in a place where judgment prevails. Will we be able to do this? Will we be able to avoid taking sides and putting all of our stock in one direction to the complete avoidance of the other? How is one person who will go to his or her grave as an avowed liberal or conservative any better or any more right than their opposite? They're both missing the message of Jesus' gospel. So I began a few minutes ago talking about my father, the journalist. If he were alive today, I think he would still be reading just as many newspapers, maybe on a tablet, but, you know, he'd still be reading just as many, and still trying to achieve a balanced point of view. He would still be standing up for his beliefs in social justice and being mindful of his responsibility for those on the margins of society, just as we are. Of course, I don't know, but I tend to think, however, he might be appalled of what most of what passes for journalism today. But whatever our life work happens to be, as we go our way, we are constantly interacting with others, and we're Christians as such, Will all of us make more room for grace, forgiveness, abundance, and love? I pray that we will. Amen.